Uh, it's been proven that if you, when you run in a shoe, if you then let it rest for 24 hours, the foam in the shoe bounces back. Uh, un unlike where if you're constantly running in the same shoe, it's, it's, it's constantly get kind of gets flattened down and doesn't get that chance to kind of refresh. So here's the question, how do runners like us remain active, get stronger, and heal from injuries without being told to stop running and create a healthy life for ourselves so we can continue to hit PRs well into our 40s and 50s? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, physical therapist, educator, and creator of Spark Physical Therapy. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. We are live. It is Monday Night Spark on a Wednesday, and I have a special guest for you guys tonight. I'm super pumped about tonight's episode. We are talking running shoes, everything about running shoes. So are you a runner who has struggled in the past to find the right running shoe? Do you get a shoe and then you figure out it caused you foot pain or you got a blister from it and you just don't know what the right shoe is for you? So in this episode, we are talking about running shoes with our special guest, Matt Centillo from Woodbridge Running Company he is a running shoe and specialty store. What we're going to be covering in this live is many questions that Matt gets on an everyday basis, such as... How long should you kind of, what is the wear life of your running shoes? Or how do you know if you need a new pair of shoes? And is it okay to put your running shoes, your stinky running shoes in the washing machine to clean them? So what I want you guys to do, if you're coming on here on the live within our Healthy Runner Facebook group is just to type in live into the comment box. So I know you're with me. And then also drop your running shoe questions in the comment box and Matt will answer them uh, during this live. So Matt, if you can give us a little kind of backstory of who you are, what is your running history? Why do you love running? And how do you, uh, why do you enjoy helping runners with their shoe selection? Hi, first off, hi Dwayne. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, this is really cool. I've never done anything like this before. Uh, my name is, once again, Matt Santillo. I'm the manager at the Woodbridge Running Company. Uh, I've been running for about 30 plus years. I uh, originally got into it in high school. Uh, I had a, a brother who was a little bit younger than me, who was like the, the first uh, of our, I have three brothers and we all ended up being runners, but he was the first to kind of get into cross country and track. Uh, and after, uh, you know, doing the, the team sport game in terms of soccer and those kinds of things, eventually I made, found my way to running, uh, just cause I'm super competitive with him and I wanted to, uh, wanted to beat him. So, uh, uh, that just, you know, competition is one of the biggest things in terms of, uh, that's always got me into running. Uh, uh, another thing is that you can do it by yourself. You don't have to, you know, I've always, uh, you know, back in those high school days, you're trying to put together kids to play a pickup uh, football game or a pickup basketball game. And you all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you've got five and you're struggling to get a sixth or something like that. And you got to, you know, try and wrangle guys up on the phone back, you know, before the cell phone days. So yeah, you know, running is something that you can do whenever you want to, whenever the mood strikes you and you can go wherever you want you know, it's a good way sometimes, especially if you're in a new area, whenever I've moved uh, to a different city, it's, a, it's always been a great way for me to kind of find uh, and see new places. So uh, it's just something that uh, I've just felt like I've uh, been born to do. That's awesome, Matt. Um, now, how long have you been um, at Woodridge Running Company? I've been at Woodridge Running Company. Uh, it'll be 10 years in, uh, I believe, July. What uh, is your favorite distance to run now? Uh, you know, that's a good question because I kind of, you know, go back and forth on that. 
Uh, you know, definitely as I'm starting to get a little bit older, I would probably say uh, 5Ks because they're over a lot quicker and you don't suffer quite as much. Uh, and it's, it, it's a distance that you can, you know, you don't have to fully, you, you, you can be, you have to be somewhat trained for it, but you can kind of cheat a 5K. You can't cheat a half marathon. You can't cheat longer distances because, you know, eventually you get out there and you're pushing yourself. But uh, I, I like all, all types of distances. Uh, you know, I, I run with the Milford Roadrunners uh, and they have a, a USATF road series uh, team. Uh, so we run against other uh, USATF teams throughout the state. And we do distances anywhere from a mile all the way up to half marathon. So, you know, I'm pretty much at every race uh, every year. So uh, it's always, and it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm you're never, you never stop learning in terms of how to kind of train for things. So that's, 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 um, I'm always kind of playing around with new, new training regimens and, you know, thinking about how different ways that I can kind of train for certain distances. So, you, you know, it's, it, it keeps it fresh, even though, you know, you sometimes tend to do the same races every year and every, uh, in every year and in year out. So we're going to start out with a question that he hears quite frequently, and that is how much wear or life can we expect from our running shoes? All right. So this is 10, the, you know, the seeing how you would ask me for a couple of questions, this is by far the most frequent question. Uh, there isn't a short answer and a long answer. I'll give you the short answer first. You know, generally we say a rule of thumb, you're looking at anywhere in terms of about uh, 400 to almost 500 miles. Uh, or you could go by, if you're not tracking your mileage, you could go by a time frame, And that's generally, if you're somebody who's running pretty consistently, you know, four or five days a week, you're looking at about six months. Uh, now, the more kind of complex answer would, would it really kind of depends on, a, there's a lot of variables. Uh, you know, it depends on if you figure out kind of what kind of a, a striker you are, whether you're very heavy on the heel or very, very heavy on the forefoot, uh, you know, what kind of surfaces you're running on, uh, you know, if you're consistently kind of really hitting it on sidewalks or roads, those are much harder surfaces, so you're going to break down the shoe quicker. Uh, trails and, and big grass are definitely a little bit softer or if you're on a, a track. Uh, I, I can tell you from my own personal experience, I tend to kind of wear two different shoes at the same time. So I alternate between the two shoes. Uh, it's been proven that if you, when you run in a shoe, if you then let it rest for 24 hours, the foam in the shoe bounces back. Uh, un unlike where if you're constantly running in the same shoe, it, it's, it's constantly get kind of gets flattened down and doesn't get that chance to kind of refresh. So I, I, I have been doing this for quite a while. I, I think I may have read this in runner's world a long time ago or something like that. And it's just something that I tend to do. I tend to stagger my shoes too. So, you know, when I'm halfway through the lifespan of one shoe, I introduce the new shoe in. So when I have long runs, the new shoe goes with the longer runs. The older shoe is saved for the shorter runs because it's just, uh, it's, you know, getting towards the end of its lifespan. So uh, that I would say, you know, and there's a lot of kind of variables that kind of work in on those, but yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, the, the longer answer. Yeah. So you would say about 400 to 500 miles. Yeah, or gen every six gen months? Generally, generally. Now, I can okay. tell you from my personal experience, I'm a little heavier, a four-foot runner. Uh, so I tend to kind of cut mine off a little earlier than that. I'm more like 350, 400. Uh, you know, you could take a look at shoes that I have, and the heels can be like immaculate, or even the midfoot can be immaculate. But there's circular spot in up towards the forefoot where I just kind of beat that, especially really on my right foot. And after a while, it just feels like there's like nothing there and it's extremely uncomfortable. So I, I, I tend to be a little bit more kind of uh, cut my shoes off a little bit quicker. But, you know, we're all different. I can tell you there's some people who can handle pain much easier. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a short little story. Uh, I think this was probably like two or three years ago. I had a, a young lady come in. 
uh, and she was training for a marathon. And I think she was like a month out from the marathon. And she goes, yeah, I think I need a new pair of shoes. I've been running in these most of my training. Uh, she takes the shoes off and there is a nice circular hole uh, uh, in, the, uh, in, in the midfoot area where she has blown through the, the, the blown rubber and then she's blown through the foam. You, she, you, you're just about at the point where you could stick your finger through it. And she's like, yeah, I did a 22 miler on this shoe yesterday. And I'm like looking at her and I'm like, if I had done that, I would be in the hospital. I probably would have broken my foot, but you know, she was fine with it. Uh, you know, I don't know how, but uh, she, at least she realized she needed a new shoe for the marathon. Right, right. Wow, that is pretty uh, remarkable. So there are some people within, maybe you're listening to the Healthy Runner podcast here, and you might be new to running. And I know with this whole coronavirus crisis, there are a lot more new runners out there since everything else has been closed. Running is one of those things that you can keep your social distance and be able to do during this difficult time. So if you are a new runner, one thing that I found helpful to kind of track the mileage that Matt's talking about is most of your running apps nowadays that are you're tracking your mileage when you go out for a run can enter in shoes. So I will personally, once I you know, go, go see Matt and I get my new Hocus and then I will put like the Hoka Kavu or the Hoka Clifton and then I'll put the date and that will tell me kind of like that was the shoe that I bought on that date. And then that's when I start tracking. So it makes it a little easier, especially if you are changing with two different shoes, um, as Matt was saying. And that that's also another point that I've heard before, Matt, in some, you know, journals that I've read years ago about the foam and the density and the bounce back and also related to that, since it is hopefully starting in Connecticut to get a little warmer, um, is in the heat, especially in the summer months, as well as not leaving your running shoes like in your car during the day. For those of you guys who go out for a run, then maybe go right to the office or go to work and you leave your running sneakers in a hot car that's like sitting in a parking lot on an 80, 90 degree day and you're inside your car is like hundred and something degrees. I've heard that's not good for the foam either in terms of wear. And maybe that might decrease some of the, the longevity of your running sneaker. Have you heard that as well? Uh, I, I've heard maybe a little bit of something like that before. It, de it definitely makes a lot of sense that uh, you don't really want to have put your shoes under kind of extreme conditions like that. Uh, I probably have heard that more with leaving it in your car when it's like free, when it's really, really cold. Uh, because I have actually mm. done that sometimes where I've left a pair of shoes uh, in like December or January. And then you go to a, a race in the morning and you first throw the shoe on and it's very, very stiff. And it, and it was, isn't until you've actually kind of running it for a little while that it then kind of softens up again. So it, it, I, would, I would think that it would probably work at the other extreme too, where you don't want to got to get them too hot. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And uh, Katrina brings up a good point. She says, write the date you started running in permanent marker on the sole of the shoe. There are, we do have a decent amount of customers who, who do that, especially on, uh, on the white section. I like that. That's a good, uh, that's a good tip here. Um, so we have a question. Um, if you, uh, all right. So we have a question here that I started running in the woods and on some gravel paths and trails, but I'm no Barkley runner. Are my road running shoes enough or should I get evaluated for trail shoes? So uh, the thing that I would, I would say to something like that is depending on the trail that you're in, as long as it's not like too technical, not too rocky, uh, I would say that any traditional kind of running shoe should be fine for that. Uh, the, the, the one thing that I would be, that I would say to uh, the, the question about that is, you know, how do you feel afterwards? Are you having a lot of discomfort uh, around your ankles? Uh, because sometimes with a, a trail shoe, you're going to get a little bit more kind of ankle support. Uh, so that way you're not kind of like straining the tendons or uh, having, you know, a little bit of unsecureness with your, with your ankles. But uh, I would, you know, a bigger thing I say for being on the trails is that you have to really focus a little bit more on bringing your knees up uh, because you don't want to kind of uh, clip 
a root or clip a rock and then you kind of get unstable and trip or something like that. So that's that's probably the biggest thing. That's a that's a great answer. Thank you, Matt. Um, so I have an inside only pair of shoes, Trisha says, is this recommended to have kind of one sneaker, I guess, for doing maybe indoor treadmill work and then maybe one shoe for only outdoor work. Have you heard of any I have runners? Heard, I have doing heard that? of people who do do that. Yes. Yeah. I think that's perfectly fine. I know, especially for a lot of people who uh, run at gyms, you know, they want you to kind of have clean shoes on when you go to the gym. They don't want you kind of, you know, coming in from uh, having like a muddy shoe or something like that, a dry mud on the bottom. And then you go to uh, the treadmill at the gym and you start uh, running and the, the, the dry dirt comes off onto the treadmill. So that makes a perfect sense. I don't think the, you, there's any issue with that. I, uh, I think that's perfectly fine. Excellent, excellent. So now how do we actually know? So you gave us some guidelines on number of months or number of miles around about um, that we should be getting a new pair of running shoes. So how do we know if we in fact need a new pair? All right. So there, a lot of times your, your body will kind of tell you when, when something like that is needed. Uh, you know, more times than not, when you are running in a shoe that is starting to really get, get beat up and near the, near the end of its lifespan or at the end of its running lifespan, uh, you will experience uh, tenderness either underneath the kneecap or you'll start to kind of feel a little bit more kind of shin discomfort. Uh, Those are mainly kind of your body's way of letting you know that the cushioning that was previously uh, in the shoe or that the shoe, the shock that the shoe was absorbing, it's no longer doing. And now it's, you know, uh, your your legs and your lower body that are absorbing the shock. Uh, Another thing that you can kind of do is kind of examine the shoe uh, if you see on the, on the blown rubber on the outsole, if you really have kind of worn it away pretty severely, uh, that's a telltale sign. And then also, you know, especially if you notice any kind of real strike points that you have on the shoe, if you push in on those strike points, if you can really kind of push and flex the shoe a lot, then, then and it's really, really soft. That's letting you know that the, the shoe just doesn't have the kind of meat to it that it previously had so that it could absorb the shock. Nice. So those are all great points. And I, I think that's important for us to know as runners, because we, like Matt said before, there are so many different variables that go into, you know, you want to think about like your body weight as well. Um, And in addition to how hard you do strike the ground, so I think, you know, there's some general guidelines in terms of mileage, but I know myself too, there's been times where I've replaced my shoes at about 300 miles, you know, and I've replaced them just because I wasn't feeling the support and I started getting some shin, shin symptoms. And then the other thing to note with, you know, definitely with myself being a physical therapist and evaluating a lot of runners who have pain and um, who have shin splints and who have that runner's knee and the kneecap pain in the front of your knee. That's one thing that I always ask and evaluate is, you know, what shoes are you running in first off? And then is this a new pair? When was, are you tracking your mileage? So those are questions that I'm always asking the runners that I see. And you'll be surprised how many um, don't track their mileage and, you know, are not sure how they've been running in them. And a lot of times I find that that's, that's a contributing factor. So it's not only the kind of physical things that can cause those injuries, but it is multifactorial in that, you know, you have to take in the running shoes into account in addition to the person's body physically. So like what I look at for shin splints or knee pain is, you know, what muscles are weak and look at you move, look at you run and see, you know, are there mechanical faults with your running technique? And we go through a full kind of running analysis and then, prescribe you the specific exercise to strengthen those areas. But sometimes it's as simple as literally asking the shoe question and asking them, you know, how long they've had them and, or are they new shoes? And sometimes I'm surprised at how many runners don't actually correlate those two together. And they think, oh, my pain started here and it's because of this. And then I start, you know, going down that road and asking about the shoes and they're like, 
oh yes, my pain started two months ago. That's right. That's when I did get these shoes and you know, they don't put kind of two and two together. And I'm surprised at how many runners also, and I'm sure we're going to get into this in terms of foot type, but are in the, maybe not the right shoe or the best shoe for their specific foot type. Um, so just to kind of catch up on some of the comments here, uh, Sundar's here on the live. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it. Rachel's here. Good to see you. Um, so Sundar says that he rotates his shoes between his long runs and his short runs. However, he started noting that in one of the shoes, which is less than 250 miles, he's seeing some wear and tear in the heel. This is the first time he's experienced this. Usually, um, he will see it after 300 miles. So it's interesting, Sundar. So let us know, is this a new model shoe or have you had any significant changes in your training in terms of have you been doing more hills? I know you usually do a lot of hills with your running or have you really ramped up, I guess, your miles in the duration that you would normally be? Because um, those would be some of my thoughts. Do you have anything to add to that, Matt? I would definitely say, Dwayne, that that's that's a good suggestion in terms of whether that is a model of shoe that he's run in before, uh, because not every shoe even is, is the same. There are going to be structurally just a little bit different uh, between companies, even even, you know, when they are within the same category of stability shoes or neutral shoes, they will make your biomechanics change a little bit differently. I can tell you that's one reason why when I do tend to run in two shoes, I run in two different shoes because biomechanically, I'm not always striking in exactly the same spots. So a chance for a, a stress reaction or an overuse injury is minimized because I'm, you know, each shoe is making me strike just a little bit differently. Nice, nice. So before we get to the washing machine question, because that's actually a question I have, and I, I really want to hear your answer, but you did mention, you kind of mentioned neutral shoe, stability shoe. Can we just go over that real quick in case, you know, like I said, we probably have some new runners listening and aren't really aware of the categories. What are the general categories of running shoes? Sure. So the, the main two categories are neutral and, and stability. Uh, a neutral shoe is just a, you know, regular running shoe that does not have any kind of added features to try and control your biomechanics. So it is just a regular kind of cushion shoe uh, that is, is there to kind of give you some nice kind of cushioning and, uh, you know, just a, maybe just a little bit of guidance. Uh, it tend to be, they're tend to going to have a little bit of flexibility to it. You don't want too much flexibility because especially if you're going to be doing a decent amount of mileage, you want something that has, you know, a little bit of rigidity to it. Now, a stability shoe is going to be much more rigid. Uh, that is kind of designed to really kind of control your biomechanics, uh, whether because you have a, a little bit of a flatter foot and you tend to kind of over pronate, uh, or, uh, you know, you, you just kind of need just a little bit more support. Now, when I say overpronate, what we're, what we're generally talking about is when somebody tends to kind of have a flatter arch, uh, what happens is that when the foot comes down and hit and strikes with the, uh, the surface of the ground, the arch tends to kind of collapse. And when it collapses, it tends to kind of roll inwards. And that rolling inwards, that, that those biomechanics, that can kind of throw off your equilibrium, throw off your alignment. So that can kind of lead to injuries. So with, with the stability shoe, they're trying to prevent that from happening to, uh, to keep you more properly aligned. Nice. So yeah, no, thank you very much for uh, breaking that down. I think you did an awesome job with that. Now, have they gotten away from like the motion control shoes? Do they not even make those anymore? They still do make motion control shoes. It is it is basically been a little bit of a a dying category, uh, you know. Uh, but they we still do have a model or two that we sell. Uh, you know, it tends to be those individuals who really kind of overpronate severely, or it tends to be somebody who is a little bit heavier who really wants like a lot of support and a lot of cushioning. Uh, 
but for, yes, for the most part, most companies are, you know, they'll, they'll, they, they still kind of carry a model, but they, you know, so much is kind of developed within different levels of stability shoes that they kind of tend to be going in those directions. Yeah, I remember when I first graduated from PT school, I think it's 17 years now, that was the big trend in the fad uh, back then. And that was when, you know, the, the mindset was overpronation is just bad and we want to avoid all overpronation at all. And now the pendulum, it kind of shifted kind of drastically. And, you know, I'm sure we can get into like the minimalist and barefoot um, shoe where it kind of shifted in the other direction. But I remember, you know, I was running in the Brooks Beast um, way back when with or custom foot orthotics as well. So just, you know, thinking about how much I was blocking pronation and my foot wasn't like pronating at all. And some pronation is good because it helps dissipate the forces of your body when it actually hits the ground. So I, yes, I yeah. think Every, everybody, everybody over pronates. It's, it's what degree, you know, that is healthy. That's, that's basically what uh, they're trying to determine uh, with, with shoes or trying to control with, with, with shoes. Yeah. So what I see in a lot of the runners that I help and actually saw someone today um, where we were looking at, she was in more of a neutral shoe and for her and her foot type, and then looking at her running, she's excessively pronating in that shoe. So my recommendation was something a little bit more firmer, like a stability shoe to kind of help prevent the excessive pronation that she's having. So when I look at something, I think about we can try to make some corrections on the extreme side with a custom foot orthotic or an over-the-counter foot orthotic like they can get in your store or use the shoe, but then also address the muscles that help control that movement as well. So are there specific exercises? And if there are, you know, for you guys to know out there, your lower leg muscles are important, your calf muscles, your posterior tip, but then also your hip rotators. So a lot of people forget about them, but your deep hip external rotator muscles are what we call your anti-pronation muscles. And a lot of times if there's weakness up at the hips, then that causes even more of that pronation motion. So if you're not addressing up the hips, then, you know, you can address it with the sneaker and it might not be enough. So just to kind of keep that in mind, um, for those of you who are not addressing those areas. So let's get to the, uh, the washing machine question. How do we clean our running shoes? Can we throw them in the washing machine? Uh, most running shoes you can throw in the washing machine. Uh, I, I tend to don't recommend it, but uh, I do know of a decent amount of our customers who have done it. Uh, I, I would say, you know, if you have a normal kind of running shoe, something that has a, uh, an upper uh, that is pretty significant. I, I would say that you'll probably be fine with it. You definitely don't want to put it into the uh, dryer. Uh, that will, uh, you know, the heat in the, uh, the dryer will sometimes break down uh, the stitching or will break down the, the glue that's kind of holding the, uh, the midsole to the upper or the, uh, the midsole to the, uh, the outsole. Uh, so you do definitely want to avoid that. But uh, I tend to tell people if they really want to kind of clean their shoes to just uh, take a, an old toothbrush and some soap and water and, and just kind of scrub out whatever, wherever the dirt is, uh, that tends to kind of work pretty well. Yeah. And as Matt mentioned before, and I don't think we explicitly stated this, so I will reiterate that you want to think of your running shoes as your running shoes. So they're not your go shopping shoes. They're not your gym shoes and your running shoes and go walking in the mall and go, you know, kicking around and playing in the yard, your running shoes should be strictly used for running. So I don't know how many people care actually when they are running, if their sneakers are clean or not. So just keep that in mind, start to think about, you know, for most of you guys within this healthy runner, Facebook group, or on the healthy runner podcast, or maybe you're watching this on the spark your training YouTube channel, then you know, you, you're most likely watching because you care about your running health, right? And if, you, if sneakers and shoes are a part of your health, and if you're not taking care of the shoes, 
then you can do everything you want for your body. But if you're not taking care of the shoes then you might still have issues and not, you know, you might run into aches and pains along the way. So think about your running sneakers and your shoes as strictly that, and then consider just reiterating, you know, two pairs and alternating between or doing like, I think uh, Sundar mentioned before doing one for like long runs. And then maybe like I do, I do like a speed work shoe and then a race shoe. Like that's the one I wear for races. That's the one I wear for speed work. And maybe I'll do like a second run during the week in those. And those are traditionally a little bit lighter weight, um, which aren't as supportive, but they are a little bit lighter weight. So, okay. So we can throw them in the washing machine if we need to, but just don't throw them in the dryer. Yeah. And definitely not in the dryer, Uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, uh, one thing in terms of, uh, you know, once you do get the shoes wet, a very easy way to kind of dry them, uh, you know, especially I would say when putting them through the washing machine, you want to take the, uh, the insole that's in the shoe and take that out. Uh, and if you stuff the shoe with newspaper, uh, when it gets wet, that will, and just let it lie out overnight, that sucks all the moisture right out of the shoe. So that, uh, that's a, a neat little trick that uh, I picked up, I don't know where, but uh, a lot of people, you know, I mentioned it to them in this store and they did, don't, hadn't heard of that before. So that's, that's a, a way of, you know, if you do have to get that run in and it's, uh, you're running in a downpour or something like that, that's, that's a, a way to kind of keep the shoe from kind of getting that musky kind of smell if you kind of, uh, if you stuff it like right when you're done with it and uh, it'll dry it up super quick. Yeah, I've heard that uh, tip before as well. And oh, man, that it's such a it's, it's a lifesaver um, as far as your shoes not being so stinky and then not deforming like in the upper area. So your shoe kind of maintains the form that it needs to be in. And that's what I do after all of my rainy runs. And I know Katrina loves running in the rain. Uh, so we talked about that before. And Gina, thanks for jumping on here. I see Lou's here on the live. Um, and also Ian's here on the live. So thank you guys for jumping on here. Ask Matt, any of your running shoe questions that you do have. Um, so let's get to another question that we have here on Facebook. And so Trisha says she has inside workout tread shoes, uh, several outdoor shoes that she rotates, um, with her walking shoes. When I retire a pair of running shoes, they become my errand shoes. (laughs) Yes. So Trisha, my, mine become my yard work shoes. Uh, so the, those are my grass cutting shoes um, after after they're uh, they're done running. And then actually, a good thing to note is you can donate because I feel like this question's popped up in the group many times. You can donate your running shoes. I don't know if you guys saw that post that I made a couple of months ago at Woodbridge Running Company. So they will take your old running sneakers and donate them um, to a great place. So. Uh, so we have a question on thoughts on lacing and lacing the benefits of the heel lock, or is this just preference and personal? So a heel lock a lacing can really, really help people who have uh, narrow ankles. And uh, it, you know, sometimes the, uh, the heel or ankle collar of the shoe, sometimes it's just not tight enough. So uh, dropping uh, the eyelet uh, lace back to that furthest eyelet can really help. I can tell you, since I've worked it at, started working at the store, I tend to do that with all my shoes now. I drop it out of that, uh, you've got those two eyelets on the top, I drop it out of the front one and will always drop it back to uh, the further one just to kind of give myself a little bit more secure feeling in the ankle. Uh, I find that to be, ex- it, it's extremely helpful. Uh, uh, there is a little bit more advanced method in terms of where you use both eyelets and create a loop. Uh, if you really, really kind of need, uh, the, 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 your heel to really be locked down or you, you find that there's some uh, slipping. Uh, however, I can tell you that with my experience, sometimes you may kind of get a, a slipping or a loose sensation in a shoe, mainly because of what sock you're wearing. Uh, so sometimes going to a little bit of a thicker sock can help kind of take up that extra space that's around there and give you a little bit more of a snug fit too. So sometimes I can tell you from myself, uh, over the years, I've acquired uh, numerous different types of socks. Uh, I And whenever I get a new pair of shoes, I always break out 
at least two or three different socks of different thicknesses and try them all on with the shoe to kind of see which sock is going to fit best with which shoe. Uh, and then from once I find which one it is, then I will consistently use that one sock with that shoe. Uh, it, it just, you know, different companies kind of cut their shoes a little bit differently and, and some socks just work better with some shoes than others. Wow. So this is like getting next level here. Matt's really going in depth here. So you see, see the knowledge this guy has. This is why I love going into the store and just kind of picking his brain every time I go in there. He probably hates all my questions, but uh, he's a wealth of knowledge and even just getting down to the, the socks as well. And I remember you helped me out with before winter was coming. I think this was back in, uh, it's probably, it was probably like November when I came in and was asking about winter socks and the ones that you had recommended that I bought, they worked out really well. So um yeah, there's, you can get pretty in depth with this stuff, right? And this is the difference. And, you know, we'll talk about this later, but this is really the difference guys. If you are, cause I used to be that person that would just kind of shop uh, for my running shoes when I first started running. So those of you that don't know my story, um, number one, check out episode or the intro episode of the healthy runner podcast. You'll hear my whole kind of running story and being an adult onset runner. So it's only been eight years that I've been running, but I've learned a lot along the way. In the beginning, I used to just, you know, shop for the uh, lowest price and what I can find and whatever running sneaker looked cool on, uh, you know, Zappos or Amazon, or I don't even think Amazon was really uh, going at that time. But there's really a difference that I really value coming into Woodridge Running Company and being able to ask Matt these questions and the intricacies and the compare and contrast and trying on different shoes and actually taking them for a test run and going out actually outside in the parking lot and being able to see how they feel on my feet. So that's really, I've noticed such a difference and I'm not needing to actually return shoes and, you know, you just order it and it's like, you try it on, you try it out and then you just return it and you order another one and you return it. So it's saved me a lot of time and frustration. So I highly recommend you guys. And if you're not around the New Haven, greater New Haven area, you know, definitely support your local running stores because like all of us here, we're all dedicated runners, right? And we care about our bodies and, you know, these guys need our support um, as well as, you know, just like any small business out there and especially nowadays um, with what's going on with small businesses. So definitely, you know, consider this is like the knowledge that you get when you actually talk to an expert who is um, helping you out with your shoe selection. So Matt, if it's okay with you, can we get to a couple of um, questions that people submitted in advance? So this kind of gets a little bit into, or you know what, let's do this question because we just talked about socks. So um, Jen wants to know blisters. So this is, can be common. I'm sure you hear these stories all the time. Yep. I know I've been there before. Um, is it the socks or the shoes? What causes blisters? Uh, sh short answer is it can, it can be both. Uh, you know, uh, not having a, a high enough quality sock definitely can, can cause issues. Uh, you know, you definitely want to make sure with your sock that it is not 100% cotton uh, because 100% uh, cotton will absorb moisture. So it keeps it closer to your skin. So a chance of a hot spot or a blister uh, can develop. Uh, but, you know, they're also sometimes with shoes because shoes are kind of cut a little bit differently. Uh, they can they can bother certain people. Uh, so it, it's 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 not can sometimes not be an easy answer and and it can kind of take a little bit of kind of trial and error to kind of figure things out yeah and i think just from the you know medical side of things uh it is blisters are really caused by friction right so there's too much friction or pressure in a certain area and it's going to cause your skin to you know there's too much pressure in that area so then you usually get that kind of swelling, that pocket of swelling that's very painful, um, too much pressure. And that has definitely happened to me, unfortunately. Actually, a funny story, not really funny, but we actually went on vacation to Punta Cana one year, right before the week before the Fairfield half. And because I really wasn't in the sun too much before that, when I was laying in my beach chair, apparently the sun got to the bottom of my feet. So I kind of got a sunburn on the soles of my feet, but apparently your 
bottoms of your feet don't get red like the rest of your body. So I didn't know I had a sunburn and my feet just were sensitive. And then once I literally, you know, landed from my flight and two days later was the half and two or three miles into it, I felt burning. And then it just was terrible. I had this huge blister by the end. It was the most painful experience ever. Um, definitely not a good thing to run through a half. But I think it, it really probably relates to a either sock or shoe. It's a fitting issue, right? So there's excessive shear forces that are happening or pressure points that are happening. So it, it really needs to you know, be a, a fitting issue, whether it's the shoe or the sock, or really those that excessively sweat, right? Yes, so like- Yeah, definitely uh, excessive sweating can sometimes play a role also. Uh, you know, there definitely are products out there. Uh, you know, Body Glide has like a foot glide that, uh, that you can put on. There are different kind of items that you can kind of help put onto your feet, either like a moleskin or something like that. You know, uh, you know I have had blisters in the past myself. Of course, we, we all have. Uh, you know, I have found that, you know, if you do kind of develop it, uh, it's always helpful to kind of, you know, when you know you still have to kind of run to kind of pre-treat the area because you know it's it's something that's kind of bothering you already. So sometimes, uh, you know, before I go for a run, I will uh, put a little bit of petroleum jelly or some sort of a lubricant on that area hopefully, you know, maybe be able to sometimes cover it with a Band-Aid, even though Band-Aids don't seem to always kind of stay in place. You know, I'll be in the middle of like a six or seven mile run and I'll feel that Band-Aid moving around in there. So, but yeah, you know, if you are somebody who kind of struggles with those issues, uh, you know, pre-treating it can, can sometimes really help. Yeah. And so, so let me just give a little shout out to my Cheshire friends who are out down here. Keisha's here on the live. Kath is here on the live. And Kathleen um, M is also here. So thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, Keith is here. So we got a lot of K's that just jumped on <laughs> the live there. Um, so we also have another question as it relates to the tying of the shoes. Can you tie them too tight? And have you seen this before? Because I know I have. What are your yes. thoughts on that and like injuring yourself? You, you can definitely tie your shoes too tight. I can, I can, I have done it myself uh, where I have uh, tied them too tight and either will be in the middle of a run and will, my foot will go numb or I will sometimes, if you tie it and knot it in the wrong spot, you will kind of uh, have some soreness or pain in the foot after a run. Uh, I've, 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 you know, it, it, it's something where you kind of, you kind of figure out how tight you need to have your shoe at the more you kind of run. Uh, you know, I don't think there's like a, a surefire answer. It's kind of just, you know, another one of those trial and error kind of things. But I can tell you with some shoes that I have, uh, instead of like having the knot located right over the middle of the, the foot, of the ceiling of the foot, I will sometimes knot on one of the sides if I've irritated an area, uh, just to kind of make sure that I, you know, the shoe is still tight, but it's not kind of like squeezing in a, in a spot that I might have previously irritated. So, yeah, you can. There's, there are tons of different ways to tie your shoes. I can tell you one thing that I tend to do now with most of my shoes is that up towards the not the first eyelet, but the second eyelet up. A lot of companies now are really kind of minimizing their toe boxes. And that is right right where people's uh, width start to kind of take effect, the middle two thirds of, the, of your foot. And a lot of times I will skip crossing the lace there and I will just shoot the lace straight up and then, and then cross thereafter. So that way kind of opens up the shoe a little bit more in that area. Uh, for myself, because uh, there have been at least a couple of shoes where I've 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 felt a little squeezed during runs on that. So it, you can go. I I know from like on the New Balance website, I think there's probably like a hundred different ways that you can kind of lace your shoes. So yeah, no, that's a good point, and I've actually seen this in a bunch of runners. I just actually um, virtually evaluated one the other day who this happened to him during a marathon. I'm going to bring my little anatomy guy up here. For those of you watching the video, you can see this. So on the top of your foot, right on the top, these gray 
things here. These are your extensor tendons. And if you're in the toe box are tied too tight down low, you can actually get like a tendonitis and an irritation of those tendons. And that's actually happened to me before years ago. And then I've seen a bunch of runners that that's happened. Um, and then if you've been diagnosed, let's say with a tendonitis of one of your, on the top of your foot, then most likely, honestly, it's probably related to your tying your sneakers too tight or it's a shoe fitting issue somehow. And then the other thing that Matt was talking about was the numbness. There's a nerve that comes out right in the front of your ankle, actually. Um, it's your superficial peroneal nerve and that can be compressed there. And a lot of folks who do like skiing or aren't boots can sometimes compress that nerve. But I've also seen some runners, if they tie them too tight up top and have like that excessive heel lock, that they can get a little bit of that numbness and that you're really compressing that nerve, which is located kind of on the surface level. So if you're definitely getting numbness, then you need to, you know, think about some of the changes that Matt's talking about and decrease that because you don't want to compress a nerve for a long time. All right, so let's get to another question here that we had submitted, and then we're going to wrap things up soon. Matt, uh, thank you so much for your time. And you guys have been awesome here on the live asking, uh, asking some great questions. I think we could probably ask him for days, but let's get to this because Lou, um, Lou had, a, he mentioned um, barefoot running and kind of activating the natural mechanisms of like a cushioning shoe. So if going barefoot is too audacious, um, there's also minimalist shoes. Would you recommend minimalist shoes for racing? He wants to know and training. So for maybe speed work, maybe a long run or maintenance. So I guess asking what would be best for speed, long run or maintenance. Um, in fact, he did kind of reference a new little um, kind of magazine article that I checked out, Lou. Um, and it pretty much said what I think most people are starting to go in that direction. But I guess I'm sure you get this question a lot too, Matt. You know, what are your thoughts on the minimalist shoes and or barefoot running? Yeah, I, I, I think it, it definitely can work for, for people. Uh, it, it is, you know, a, a really good way to kind of help strengthen your feet and your lower legs, uh, you know, uh, when you're, when you're running, but you definitely want to be very, very careful about it. Uh, I can tell you going back to my college days that we have sometimes done, uh, some grass work where, uh, you know, after or in the middle of a run, you will take your shoes off and you'll do some striders or something like that, barefoot in the, in the grass. Uh, you know, nowadays you've got uh, the, the artificial kind of uh, turf surfaces. Those can be uh, really helpful to kind of uh, do some uh, barefoot work on, on those. Uh, I know the, the Hamden track has it. And sometimes when I go over and do some speed work, I will kind of do some barefoot striders afterwards. Uh, but uh, in terms of for part of his question about uh, whether to get a more kind of minimalist shoe to do some speed work in or uh, some some things like that, yeah, I, I think those are uh, I think those are definitely very very helpful. Uh, if you ever take a look at a uh, a racing flat, uh, you'll notice that it's they're very much like uh, barefoot shoes or very minimalist shoes. Uh, they're they're really designed to be super lightweight. There's not much of a heel drop. Uh, and it's there, it's just something that's giving you just a little bit of protection. Uh, now, of course, the longer distance, uh, the longer you go for distance, you want to have a little bit more meat on the shoe because you're going to be doing a lot of slapping, uh, on the ground and you want to have some cushioning to kind of protect that. Uh, but I, I can tell you from myself. Uh, and, uh, you know, working at the store, I get to see a lot of shoes. So, uh, I have a lot of shoes at my house here. Uh, and besides like the shoes that I run in, I do have a speed work shoe for the track. And then I do have like racing flats for different distances. Uh, I'll have like a racing flat for like a 5k a racing flat for like five miles and up, and then like a racing flat for like a half marathon. So, it's uh it can it can be it can be compulsive in terms of when you do a decent amount of running you can get acquire a lot of shoes yeah i think you know the big the big point 
that I think needs to be had in terms of barefoot or minimalist shoes is most of us don't have the discipline to train down to that. And what I mean by that is if you've been running for a while and you're running 20 something, 30 something miles a week, most of us don't have the discipline to ramp down to literally doing a walk run for a mile, a couple of days in a row, allowing your foot to adapt to not having a lot of stability because as we've adapted over the number of years that we've been in traditional running shoes, and this kind of talks about a little bit of that, Lou, in you know, the 70s really is when running shoes started to change and they became more cushioning and more supportive. We've all grown up in that. So if you were a youngster, like for our children, if we had them start running barefoot now, they would be able to adapt. So when they're in their 40s, when they're in their 50s, uh, like most of us, then they would be able to run barefoot. I think the problem in that I've seen in a lot of the injured runners that I help is they get stress fractures in the foot, in the tibia, because they've heard that minimalist shoes or barefoot running is better for your body and because it strengthens your muscles, but they don't have the discipline to actually do such a slow, gradual progression back into running. Now I'm talking about like slow because it takes that long for your body to adapt to the forces that would change and the lack of cushioning that you're going to get every time your foot hits the ground, there's ground reaction forces that come up through your tissues. So that's where I come out of it from kind of that end and ask most of the runners I work with, what have you been running in and how long? And you know, if you, let's say you haven't run in six months now and you wanted a slow, slow, slow ramp up, then I would say now would be the perfect time to try something with a little less stability and maybe try the minimalist. But the other thing I need to add in there is you need to do specific strengthening exercises for your actual foot muscles. So there are foot specific exercises that you can do, believe it or not, kind of like toe yoga, we call it, or like foot doming, a short foot exercise to strengthen all the muscles on the bottom of your foot, because those are the muscles that are going to actually provide you the stability that your shoe isn't. So that's kind of my take. And a lot of people want to know, like, is it good or is it bad? And I don't think it's good or bad. I think it's, it's, it can be beneficial but you need to watch your distances. And the question is, can you allow yourself a slow enough ramp up to actually train your body and your muscles to adapt to the forces of running and then to allow your muscles to actually strengthen in that time period that you're doing that slow ramp up with your miles? Dwayne, just to piggyback onto that, when we, we used to sell the, the Vibram five fingers, uh, the toe shoes, and we, when we did sell those to people or people were interested in, in them, we always recommended for at least the first four to six months that they, that they own the shoe to mainly just walk in it first and to gradually, very, 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 very slowly kind of work your way into running. And, of, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people did not do that. And they went right to all of a sudden wearing it right away and I did see people who really kind of suffered from, from that. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And that's what actually, so right now during the uh, coronavirus, for those of you who are, are new and you haven't been seeing some of my posts in the past, um, we're actually doing strength training workouts for runners um, all online via Zoom, just like this. And two of the days um, I will do my strength training workouts barefoot because I'm never able to be barefoot when I go to the gym. So I wanted to train my foot muscles, my ankle muscles for more stability because I know it's going to help me as a runner down the road. And we actually had a good question is, so Wednesday, so this morning was actually uh, plyo day. So we do plyometric training, some jump training as part of the workout, but I wear my sneakers still because my body has not adapted yet. So I can't just go to kind of the next level of doing jump training, plyometric training, if my muscles aren't strong enough to control that motion, because then I'm just going to get injured, right? And going to get pain. So it takes the body a while to adapt. And then 
I love your comment about walking around in, in those shoes. And I, I've started to, you know, now that we're home all the time, um, be barefoot more when I'm at my sit to stand station and standing and trying to activate your foot muscles versus traditionally I'm in shoes all day long, you know, from literally, you know, 5am until 10pm. So it's actually a good thing to get out of your shoes and add that variety. So you just want to think progression. And that's why we also see a lot of runners who get injured in the foot and ankle area in the summertime or in the beginning of summer, because everyone just changes to their slides and their flip-flops and their muscles have been in shoes supported all winter. And then you go out and then you try to walk, you know, for a long distance, you're at a picnic or you're at a parade, you're going to the mall, you're shopping now in your flip-flops and your muscles have not adapted to that yet. And then you're also trying to run on top of that. So that's why we do see a little spike in foot and ankle pain and injuries in the summer. So the moral of the story is progression and gradually building up those muscles to be able to tolerate the demands of being barefoot or minimalist uh, shoe. So Matt, you have been extremely, extremely awesome. This has been great. I think guys, if this was helpful for you, just type in helpful into the comment box for those of you here on the live. And um, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, you know, definitely let me know if you have feedback and want to hear more things like this, because I would love to have Matt on again, honestly, on some other topics, but I want to respect his time. He's got a new little girl. She's going to be six months um, tomorrow, right? You said? Oh, yep. Yep. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So he's taking time away. So I greatly appreciate you taking your time away. But Matt, how could, if, if people really didn't know someone like you existed, right? We didn't know there was a mat out there and there wasn't Woodbridge running company. And you didn't know it was this great running store uh, right off of the Merritt Parkway um, in Woodbridge, right? In the New Haven, Hamden kind of area. Um, how can folks reach out to you guys and what types of services are you offering now and or in the future? Well, at the, at the moment, the store is, is closed due to uh, the orders from the, uh, the governor. Uh, however, uh, Chris, the owner, and Ed, one of uh, my coworkers, they they're manning the store between 10 a.m. and uh, 11, or actually 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, so, if anyone is wants to contact them about uh, either finding out about buying a shoe or ordering a shoe, uh, you can either call the store uh, 203-387-8704. Or you can email at woodrunco at yahoo.com and just uh, you know let the let them know what you're looking for and they can definitely help you out. Uh, we do uh, contactless contactless pickup. Uh, we can also ship shoes to you. Uh, so there's there's a, a bunch of different things that we can do. Uh, I was speaking with Chris earlier uh, this evening, and he mentioned also with the weather getting nicer also, we can kind of do a little bit of, uh, for somebody who is like a real newbie runner and really does not know what kind of shoe they do need, uh, we can kind of offer a little bit of social distancing uh, kind of uh, assessment where, uh, you know, we set up in the parking lot, we're, you know, eight feet apart. And we can kind of watch you walk and do a little bit of an assessment and then kind of recommend some shoes for you. Uh, so yeah, reach out uh, to, to the store and uh, you know, there's multiple ways that we can kind of help you. Nice. That's great. That's great to hear. And I know because like I said, there are more people getting out there and getting active and it's important to use the right shoe um, for you. So Guys, those who are listening on the Healthy Runner podcast, we're going to have more education topics like this moving forward this spring as we grow the podcast. So if you have found this topic helpful, send me an email, Dwayne at sparkyourtraining.com if you want to hear more topics like this. And those of you who are here on the live, um, if you found this helpful, just hit that like or hit the love button, throw some Matt some hearts you know, for taking his time out and sharing his expertise um, with us. And I just wanted to, you know, thank you, Matt, honestly, for taking the time to educate us. And thank you to everyone who jumped on the Facebook Live, or if you're listening on the podcast, or you're watching this on the Spark Your Training YouTube channel. 
Um, I greatly appreciate that. And remember, every Monday night, we go live at 8 p.m. This was a special edition on a Wednesday night. Um, so within the Healthy Runner Facebook group. So keep us in mind in your schedule every Monday night at 8 p.m. to get your questions answered, just like everyone got their questions answered tonight. So thank you again, everyone. Remember, stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Thanks a lot, Matt. Appreciate Wayne, it. Thank you very much. This was a blast. I, I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, thank you. We appreciate you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate you, and I hope you got a lot of value out of it, and I hope that becoming a healthy runner is as exciting for you as it is for me. I hope you can see that this podcast can not only benefit your running, but your overall health as well. If I said something that resonated with you, then jump over to our free Facebook group called Healthy Runner. I give live trainings in there every single week to the hundreds of members. I answer questions directly in there and absolutely love hearing the takeaway and wins that you have from this show. More on the show at sparkyourtraining.com for our latest articles, resources, and specific exercise videos I mentioned in the show. You can also head over to any of my social media accounts at sparkyourtraining where I include lots of free content for all the ideas I talked about in the show. If you have learned anything from this podcast, I would really appreciate if you headed over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and rated and reviewed it, as well as pass it along to your runner friends so they can have the same tools and ideas that you now have. If you have any questions, suggestions, and show ideas, the best way to reach out is through your favorite social media platform. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you. Stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Now it's time to strap in and get ready for the next episode of the Healthy Runner Podcast.